Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Saturday night get-together right here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack, live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current one, Rocket can. All right, uh, the NFL draft is sneaking up on us, which means it's that busy time of the year for my next guest. He does an outstanding job analyzing the draft for ProFootballNetwork.com. Mr. Tony Pauline jumps aboard. TP, it's been a minute. How you been? I've been great. It's back. It's great to be back with you, Jody. And obviously, when I'm back with you, I know the NFL draft is within earshot of us. <laughs> yes, it is. Twelve days and counting. Eleven since we're now well, well into the day. Um, You've been doing this for a while. Anything that you read into the fact that here's my own personal observation. You do a great job. I've got other guys with mock drafts I've been following for years. Now there's so many of them out there. You've got to de- determine who you trust and who yeah. you like. Uh, it, you and I have been following this a long time when yeah. it was Mel Kuyper and a bunch of other guys named Pete. Uh, but now everybody's got a mock draft. And across the board, nobody can agree on anything. Even the top pick with Jacksonville all the way down, I think most people know who the top 25 players are out of a group of 30 or 35, but the order that they're going to come off the board seems to be very diverse. Why do you think that is? Because there's no quarterback at the top, and the team at the top doesn't need a quarterback. So I I think the only time that we have really known who the top pick is going to draft, who the top picks are going to be, is when quarterbacks okay. are involved. You know, you look at last year. You knew Trevor Lawrence was going number one. You knew Zach Wilson was going number two. You knew San Francisco was going to take a quarterback number three. So I, I think when you don't have quarterbacks, it makes it murky. And the fact is, you know, you look at the Jaguars. A lot of people thought they were going to take an offensive lineman. I never did because I thought it was a reach. Then they take Cam Robinson. I, I also think the fact that Aiden Hutchinson is a real good player. But he's not a supreme talent. He's not a guy that's got great upside. He's a safe pick, as opposed to, say, a Kayvon Thibodeau, a Trayvon Walker of Georgia, who has got great upside but may not be as NFL-ready as Aiden Hutchinson. No, we've got our work cut out for us in the next 11 days. You threw out a couple of names there, specifically at one position, and that's edge pass rusher. Most people expect those top three to go in the top five or six in the draft. How good an edge pass rusher year is this, or is it just because it's not a quarterback draft, somebody's got to move up the board. How good is this group we're talking about who are going in the first round coming off the edge? No, I think it's very good. I think think if quarterbacks were good – or, or decent, they would be overdrafted as they usually are. But I think these guys hold their own. You know, Jody, you said you and I have been doing this for a long time. 
before the league went quarterback crazy, before they started reaching for quarterbacks, you know, a half around earlier than they deserved to go, it was always the impact defensive player that was really the, the desired position at the top of the draft. And I think that's what you have. I mean, Kate, with, with Thibodeau, with Hutchinson, with Trayvon Walker, potentially with Jermaine Johnson, and Maude Garner, the cornerback out of uh, Cincinnati. So while people aren't used to it now, you know what? 20, 25 years ago, this would have been a great draft because that's what you got. At the, that's what you have at the top, those impact defensive players. All right, then uh, if we're right about the defensive linemen, specifically on the edge, coming off the board pretty darn quickly, it's going to be the same case on the offensive line. Maybe not as high, but between Neal and Cross and Aquona, uh, chances are they're all going in the first eight picks, so there's a good chance that we're going into the trenches for six out of the eight picks. Would I be correct in saying that in your mock estimation? Absolutely. I mean, I think what could happen is, the four top pass rushers, the three we mentioned, plus Jermaine Johnson, could go top four, and then you're going to have the followed quickly by the offensive linemen. Uh, you could have those four players plus the three offensive linemen, Equano, uh, uh, Evan Neal, and Charles Cross, you know, off the board all by the eighth pick of the draft, uh, including a Mud Gardner. So yeah, it, it, there's absolutely uh, that's absolute, uh, absolutely a possibility. All right, so you got Johnson up pretty high if you think he's going in the top five. Not everybody does. What is it about Jermaine Johnson from Florida State you like as much as you do? He's been a terrific pass rusher for Georgia as well as for Florida State, and he's been phenomenal in the lead-up to the draft. He was dominant for three days of practice at the Senior Bowl. He had a terrific combine workout. I have my concerns about him in the sense that he's a long-limbed, a long-legged guy, which I think he'll struggle against the run at the next level, but he can definitely get up the field. I think what will happen is if the pass rushers, if the Thibodeaux, Hutchinson, and Trayvon Walker come off one, two, three, I think the Jets could take Jermaine Johnson at four because, you know, as has been the case the past 20 years, they're desperately looking for a pass rusher, and you can get a good pass rusher maybe later on, but the top pass rushers are going to come off the board quickly. All right, then uh, we're probably going outside after that. You mentioned the Jets. They could go D-line or they could go D-back because, for my money, Kyle Hamilton might be the best football player in the draft. I know the NFL has de-emphasized the safety position. Well, they haven't done that with the cornerback position because somebody's got to cover those very highly paid now top-wide receivers in the league. What's the order of the two defensive back players coming off the board. Where do you think Hamilton goes? Where do you think Sauce Gardner goes? I think Gardner could go as early as four. I don't think he uh, to the Jets. I don't think he gets past Seattle at nine. Hamilton is a bit of, of a mystery at this point in time, you know, because he's kind of fallen off a bit. Uh, the fact is this. He was a terrific college safety, but I don't think he projects all that well to the next level. He's a long-limbed guy. He's not very quick. The fact is this. Runs a four-five-nine at the combine. Runs in the high four-sixes during his pro day. People want to say, "Well, he plays faster than he times." I would absolutely agree with that. But you know, when you're running the four-sixes and you're playing faster, that means you're only playing in the four-fives, which I agree with. I just don't see Kyle Hamilton as that great rangy free safety that you can play over the slot receiver. I think there are limitations in this game. I personally think two or three years down the road. Uh, Kyle Hamilton's best position in the NFL, or he will eventually turn into an outside linebacker. Six for four, 220 pounds, physical, aggressive, and not super fast. So I, I've never been as, as high on Kyle Hamilton as a lot of people. 
uh, posted, I think Gardner's a terrific corner. He's a developing guy. He was much better in 2021 than he was in 2020. Uh, had a terrific combine, ran exceptionally fast, showed a lot of improvement in his game, and he's a big, tall, physical corner, which is what teams want these days in the NFL. It's going to be interesting to see when those guys come. All right, we've talked plenty here, and we haven't gotten to what the NFL is all about. You did kind of mention quarterbacks, but how about those other skill positions? It looks to be a pretty darn good wide receiver draft. How high is high? What kind of order do you have the first four, five, six wide receivers in? Yeah, I think Garrett Wilson will be the first receiver off the board. He could go as early as 8 to Atlanta. I don't know that he gets past the Jets at 10, depending on who else is there. Then I have Jamison Williams of Alabama, who, if he didn't suffer that knee injury during the national title game, he's a top-ten pick. He's hands down the top receiver in this year's draft. But that injury, as late as it occurred, is really going to set him back. may not be ready to play until November. Drake London, who uh, finally had his pro day, ran a few routes uh, at USC, is number three. I think he's probably a guy that's going to go anywhere from 10 to 15. Big Chris Olave fan, love his vertical speed, terrific downfield receiver. He's my fourth receiver. And then I've got Jahan Dotson at Penn State. Not real big, fast, but not super fast, but just an exceptional receiver. A guy who runs great routes, a guy who's tough, a guy who catches everything, and I think someone that can fit a variety of schemes. How do you uh, feel about the kid from North Dakota? Uh, Christian Watson. I I like him not as much as a lot of people do. I I think he's a... Terrific long-term prospect, long-term being two or three years. He's tall, ran super fast at the combine, though he doesn't play that fast on the field. Catches the ball relatively well, or caught the ball well at the senior ball, though he had some drops as a senior. I think people are over, you know, they're looking at the size, they're looking at the speed, they're looking at highlights. But when you really delve into the film, he's more of a day-two guy who's going to need a little bit of time before he's ready to step on the field and produce consistently on Sunday and a lot of teams uh, uh, believe that same way. Uh, no team I've talked to has got a first-round grade on Christian Watson of North Dakota State. Interesting, because uh, some that I've talked to actually do like him and think he's going to make the bottom of the first round. If that's the case, we could have as, as many as seven wide receivers go in the first round. How many running backs and tight ends are going to go in the first round? Zero. I, I don't see any. I, I do think that Brees Hall of Iowa State, he's getting from some first-round grades, but I just don't see – any team late in round one who's going to select him. And Hall is a terrific ball carrier. He's actually a terrific player at the position. He's a good ball carrier, good pass catcher out of the backfield, blocks when he has to, had, that, had Brock Purdy at Iowa State, who, ran, who was, uh, did a, used a lot of design quarterback runs, and he got out front, front and did a good job blocking. He's the top back. I don't think he's a first-round pick. And then the top, uh, top tight end would be Trey McBride of Colorado State. Very good in all areas. A very good pass catcher, solid blocker. Ran four five, uh, four five three during his pro day. Doesn't play to that speed. So I think you know he's not an exceptional talent. I think like Reese Hall, he comes off the board somewhere top ten to twelve picks in round two. Second round, uh, day two pick. All right, uh, which means. The skill position is one position this year. It's wide receiver because running backs, none in the first round. Tight ends, none. Quarterbacks, less than we're used to. When does the quarterback action start in the draft, per your uh, guesstimation? Yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be somewhere in pick 12, 
to pick 20. I think Minnesota's sitting there. Minnesota would like to trade down. Maybe a team like New Orleans trades up even further. They made that trade to acquire that extra first-round selection from the Eagles. If they are really hot on a guy like Malik Willis or even Kenny Pickett, and they feel another team could grab up, go up and snatch him. Maybe they trade up with Minnesota. Pittsburgh likes Malik Willis. Obviously, they need a long-term developmental guy or a guy at the position who can, they can develop for the future. Maybe they move up for Malik Willis. So I think somehow, starting at pick 12, maybe Minnesota trades down all the way down to 20. That's when you'll see the quarterback start to come off the board. I would be shocked, shocked if any quarterback goes top 10. I would be surprised. If Carolina takes a quarterback at six, I just don't see that happening. Very interesting. Tony Pauline from ProFootballNetwork.com, draft analyst, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right. Uh, the NFL announced the other day the 21 individuals that they invited out to Vegas. Good trip. Uh, if you're going to go to an NFL draft and somebody's going to pick up the tab for you, might as well be Vegas or if you're a 20, 21-year-old. Have some fun while you're there. Uh, but conspicuous by his absence is Kenny Pickett. That the only two QBs who are going are um, Malik Willis and Matt Corral. What do you read into the fact that Pickett's not going to be in attendance for the draft? Could be he just didn't want to go. I mean, I haven't heard otherwise. Although I, I really didn't, uh, I, I didn't make any calls about it. I, I think it's probably more maybe he wants to be home uh, with his family. I, I, you know, I don't think it's it's that big of a deal. I wouldn't read that much into it, uh, especially you know. Pre-COVID, I mean, they were inviting some 50 players, first-round picks as well as day two picks. Obviously, they cut it down to 21. Understandable at this point in time. All right, fair enough. Uh, that's what I, I thought you might say, and that's what I'm kind of leaning toward. I know some people have made a big deal out of it. Hey, the kid wants, just wants to stay home, watch a draft with his family. That's his choice, and I haven't heard anything on that either. Um, but I've seen some people make a big deal out of it. I'm glad that you and I don't. I, 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 think the, I think the bigger deal with Kenny Pickett is the fact that he's got small hands. And we were, I've been reporting that at Pro Football Network literally since last October, and the fact that you know, he's got the double-jointed thumbs, which kind of alleviate the small hands. But the fact is this, there are a lot of teams that are not going to take a quarterback early that don't have hands that are at least nine inches. And if you were at senior ball practices like I was, Wednesday at senior ball practices, there was a downpour. It was raining hard, and you could see he was struggling to grip the ball. So forget about the fact he's not going to be in Vegas for the first round. I think those eight-and-a-quarter, eight-and-whatever-inch hands – it's going to hurt him more than anything else. Yeah, but they're growing. They went up well, a, uh, an eighth of an ounce, uh, an eighth what, what, of an inch what, yeah, between he when he was measured at the I, combine. I had reported that also. He's got the double-jointed thumbs, and it's a situation where the thumb basically points vertically, and they're teaching him how to extend it, uh, uh, flex it out, and use it horizontally, which is why the hand is getting a little bit bigger. I don't think it'll ever be nine inches, though. It doesn't matter. It's got to be nine inches on draft day. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Who, whoever takes him will do a new measurement, and he'll be yeah. nine and a half or somewhere thereabouts. I uh, do want to ask you about the quarterback carousel in the league. You gave us your uh, feedback on the quarterbacks, where they will or won't be going in the first round. Uh, one guy who seems to be not uh, in a chair as of right now, he's still on a team, he's getting paid, going to guarantee a whole lot of money from the Cleveland Browns this year, but he's not going to be playing. Baker Mayfield, uh, certainly the Browns would like to trade him. Baker wants to get that guy out of Dodge. Now he's talking his game to get out of Dodge. When does this come down? 
are there any teams legitimately interested in him, or are everyone just waiting till after the draft before they uh, really engage Cleveland on a Mayfield deal? Yeah, I think a couple things. I had said all along it was going to be a draft week or a draft day trade. The bottom line is this is whoever is willing to accept the largest part of his salary, the largest percentage of his salary, is the team that Baker Mayfield, I believe, is going to eventually end up with. Because remember, as you said, that salary is guaranteed, and the Cleveland Browns have to pay it. So the Cleveland Browns have kind of backed themselves into a corner. They don't have a lot of leverage. They got to get rid of Mayfield, and they got to get rid of his nineteen million dollars salary or salary or salary that's almost nineteen million dollars. So I think whatever team, Cleveland's going to have to eat a chunk of that salary. Going to have to pay a chunk of that salary. So I've been told all along, whatever team is willing to take on the greatest percentage, a proportion of that salary, that's where he's going to end up with. It could be a while because Cleveland doesn't have any leverage here. It's all the other teams who may have some interest. And Baker Mayfield have uh, have the leverage, and the fact is this: you got Mayfield for a year. You know, unless you franchise him after the 2022 season, you're basically renting him for a year. We'll see how it shakes itself out. All right, I am guilty of in this very interview overplaying the first round. We all are. Everybody yeah. is. But uh, there, there will be a day two, and then there's going to be a day three, and then there's going to be this mad scramble for unsigned free agents thereafter. Give me your evaluation of this draft as on uh, Moss and total. Is it a good draft? Is it a deep draft? Is it uh, something where you know, Jody, they're going to make two hundred? There's three hundred players to play in the NFL in this year's draft. How good is the field who made themselves available to be drafted this season? Yeah, I think at the top, it's a good defensive draft, and I think it's a good offensive tackle draft. My only concern with the offensive tackles is. There's no pure left tackle. There's no DeBrickishaw-Ferguson uh, types at the top where you're going to plug him in and immediately play uh, left tackle. I think Aquano of North Carolina State. I think Evan Neal of Alabama are more right tackles. Aquano could also play some guard. I think Charles Cross is, more, is the only you know, true left tackle, and there may be some bumps in the road. But I think overall, with the pass rushes, with the corners, it's strong at the top. I like the uh, uh, tackles. But as you said, you know, it's more than the first round. Good receivers in round two. A lot of offensive tackles in round two. Some decent cornerbacks in day two. You get into day three, you'll be able to come out of it with a safety. The receiver talent continues on through day three. You know, the tight end class, we all thought it was going to be strong coming into the season, but the tight ends have kind of fizzled out in the pre-draft process at the combine. Didn't run as fast as many of us thought. But still, you're, maybe you're going to be able to get good value at that position third, fourth, and fifth round. So there are some areas of the draft where it's very strong. I think the center class, you've got one or two, three guys at the top, and then it kind of fizzles, fizzles out. Uh, you know, the, uh, the quarterback class, you've got your top guys, and then it really fizzles out. There's really going to be nobody that I perceive that's going to be taken on day three that's going to be anything more than roster fodder. But still, there'll be, there'll be players. It's going to be very deep. What happened was when the NC2A gave players – that option to come back for a second senior season, a lot of guys who were supposed to be in the 2021 draft said, you know what, I'm going back to college, which kind of thinned out day three of the 2021 draft, which is why you saw a lot of teams trade their picks last year, their day three picks last year, to collect extra picks this year. And what it's going to do, it's going to load up day three. So you're going to have, when all is said and done, when the draft is complete, you're going to have a lot of guys that have draftable grades who were not selected, who fall out as priority free agents 
just because there's only 255 picks. And in the end, there's probably going to be about 275 to 280 players in this year's draft that actually have draftable grades. That's what I was uh, considering and asking why I was asking the question. All right, one guy who's going to be taken probably uh, day three. He may even sneak into day two, but I'm, I'm predicting day three, who's certainly more than uh, roster fodder, is the best punter I've seen in college football in a decade, Matt Areza from uh, San Diego State. Yes, he's a punter, but yes, he is a field flipper like I haven't seen in a long time. When is the best punter in the draft over the last decade going to come off the board this year? I have him as a late third-round pick. I know a lot of teams have him as a fourth or fifth-round pick. A lot of teams have actually Jordan Stout of Penn State as the top punter who went to the senior bowl and kicked kicked the the stuffing out of the ball. I agree with you, Jody. You know, the, the San Diego State kid, he doesn't have just a big leg. But he's also a good directional punter. If you watch it, he can kick it to the sidelines. He can kick it to the coffin corner. He can place it inside the five-yard line. So he's got this massive leg where the coverage units, if you watch San Diego State, the coverage units teams can get down there and make the play because he kicks moonshots that, have, that get great hang time. He's able to flip the field, as you, as you mentioned. He's able to directional kick. And guess what? He's also not a bad field goal kicker, not very accurate in the short and intermediate range, but he consistently hits them from 50 yards plus or hit them 50 yards plus for San Diego State. So, yeah, I have him as a late third rounder. I would expect him to go fourth, fifth round, but I think this guy's going to be a steal in day three. All right, last question, and it's my staple for guys like yourself, mock draft gurus. There's got to be one guy who, as you check other people's mock drafts, you see either well below where you think he should be going or well above where you think he's going. Give me the guy that you think is just woefully overrated as per Tony Pauline's draft ranking and or woefully underrated who you think somebody's going to get a star. Either day two should have been day one or day three should have been day two. Who's the underrated guy? Well, the overrated guy would be Kyle Hamilton because there are some people who project him as the best player in the draft. And again, as I said before, I just don't see that. 6'4", 220 pounds. Couldn't run fast in the four five nine. Uh, you, you know you, they're talking about limitations. You can't place him over the slot receiver. And, and if you're talking about a guy who should be the top player in the draft, there should be no limitations. I mean, especially in the, in the defensive backfield, he should be able to play over the slot receiver. And people are already uh, take uh, basically discounting that. As far as underrated, Cameron Jurgens, the center from Nebraska. I mean, there's a guy who was a, a masher for three years. He's incredibly explosive. I know everybody loves Tyler Linderbaum, but I take Cameron Jurgens in the third round before I took Tyler Linderbaum in the first round. This guy is an exceptional zone blocker. He can get out to the second level. You can pull him across the line of scrimmage. Came into the combine, 370 pound, 307 pounds, 32-inch arms, and he was as athletic as everyone thought. I think this guy is going to be a phenomenal third-round selection, absolute value, who will quickly start in the NFL. Tony, great stuff. Always a pleasure, my friend. Know how busy a time it is for you this year. Thanks for carving out 50 minutes for us. Uh, Enjoy the draft, my bud. Thanks, Jody Mack. My pleasure. Tony Pauline of the NFL Draft, excuse me, ProFootballNetwork.com, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Jody Mack, coming back. We'll get the phones restoked, plenty of draft talk, NBA stuff, a little baseball mixed in. You can take it where you want, 855-212-4227. A Saturday night get-together with the Mac Man on CBS Sports Radio. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.